Check, check. Are y'all ready to hear me preach? Psych. No, we got something, something pretty awesome planned. Well, how many of you guys love Richard? His strategic placement. He is such a blessing. And he's single for Valentine's Day. I saw somebody big, do a big, way back up in that corner. I don't know what happened, but I don't know if that was a spirit or a spirit, whatever. I'm excited that they're doing deliverance on our live stream tomorrow. That's going to be exciting. So anyways, um, the guys are setting up here. We've got something really fun planned for you guys. Everybody say fun. fun. Yes, you can have fun in church. God is also fun. And um, anyways, so I'm going to go ahead and invite up our crew here. We've got a panel. We're going to be gleaning. We're going to be listening to their experiences, listening to their wisdom. How many of you know knowledge is up here a lot of times, but wisdom, it's walked through. It's experience. And how many of you want wisdom, right? Proverbs says wisdom is more precious than rubies. And it's life to those who, who take hold of it. So uh, we want to hear some wisdom this morning. I think this is going to be some really awesome stuff. So we're going to invite our crew up here. Let's give it up for the Nichols, Mallory, and the Wetmillers. Oh, come on. I feel like we should have some game show. Yeah, you can sit right there. Yes. This is awesome. So I'm going to be asking them some questions. We're doing this because right, Valentine's is right around the corner, and we thought, what a great opportunity to talk about love, talk about relationships. Sometimes those things can get a little compliment, uh, uh, complicated, and so um, we're going to be asking them some questions here just about all kinds of topics, being a young parent, um, being grandparents, being parent-parents, uh, singleness, Love and difficulty, it's going to be awesome. Amen? All right. Let's pray real quick. Let's pray. That's, that's a good idea, right? Are you all laughing at me? Actually, let me read this scripture because I feel like it's in addition to uh, what I feel like the Lord was already doing. But this is Revelation 3.20. It says, here I am. Can you just imagine the Holy Spirit saying, here I am? In this atmosphere, he says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. So, Father, we just, we respond to the knocking on our hearts, Lord, this morning. We thank you for what you've already done, and we just invite you in. Come and dine with us, Lord. We, we position our hearts in such a way to listen to, to take hold of everything that these individuals are about to share and the wisdom and the experience and all those things and how you have shined through all of their lives, Lord. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lord. We love you. Come and speak to us in a mighty way. Bring encouragement. Bring correction. Um, and Lord, help us today to love you more in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I'm excited. So, we're in a living room setting. Tell us about yourselves. We're going to start off with Matt and Sissy. Matt and Sissy, you guys know Matt and Sissy? Well, I just told them your name, so surprise. Um, all right, question, a couple questions. How did you guys meet? 
How long have you been married? And how many children do you have? <laughs> wise move, bro. Very wise um, move. Okay, so we, I'll spare you guys the details, uh, but uh, we met, I actually heard a lot about Matt through someone else before I ever met him, and they were all really amazing things. Um, but I met him, um, I guess technically we met in a restaurant that I was working in, technically. Um, we, we've been married for almost five years, and we have one little boy, Maddie, Matt Jr. Yes. All right. She is correct. No, okay. I was, I was waiting on a confirmation there. It's good. <laughs> All right, um, Mallory. Well, those questions don't apply to me. Oh, yeah. oh okay. Uh, how did you meet? <laughs> my handsome husband. I got. I'm a, <laughs> sorry, I'm a dad. I'm a youth pastor. I got a. So I got three people you can date right now. Oh my God. I'm gonna, three biggest people. eye roll ever. They're pretty no. amazing guys. Listen, <laughs> the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I already met them. Had to put that out there. Just, they live in my heart. Yeah, in my heart. Um, yeah. So I can't answer the same questions, but. It's kind of similar questions on, like, a dating profile app you would kind of, like, put on there. So, um, I am Mallory. Most people call me MalPal, so you're welcome. Yeah. That, that means we're friends. Um, I'm 34, um, and I, I'm like, what else can I answer? Because I don't, I don't have kids. But well, how, I how, how long have you been at Heart of the Father for? Oh, uh, gosh. Eight years? Yeah, so it was when we were at Pipkin. Ooh, okay. Yeah, so I started coming. I was the, let me see if this is the place. But actually, Allison's sister Amy invited me, and then a separate friend group, Bethany, invited me. So when you get two different friends from different friend groups inviting you, it's definitely the Lord. So you're like, yes. okay, God. But I'm only going to come Thursday nights because I'm not fully committed. So I started <laughs> coming there, and Sorry, I've been here adults. ever since. But, yeah. Sweet. Okay. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. All right, Barry and Diane. How, how'd y'all meet? And how long have you been married? And how many children do you have? Well, we met at church. Cute. And at the altar? Or like, <laughs> nah. it's kind of important, like where you're meeting in the hallway. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Well, I, w I was, we were singing and supposed to be worshiping the Lord. <laughs> oh! And my friend was like, hey, did you see that guy in the back? And I turned around, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then I was the president of our youth group, so of course I had to go up and get his name and number so that I could invite him to events. <laughs> he thought I was coming out to him, and honestly, like, I was just trying to be a good president of my youth group. That's good. You know what you're doing. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. So we've been married for almost 40 years. Woo! Come on. We got to give it up for that right there. Wow. June 19th will be 40 years, and we have seven children, and we have our 12th grandbaby on the way. Let's go. That's amazing. Man, goals. All right. Whew, that's pressure right there. Um, for those of you that don't know, the reason why we got pregnant is pretty much Perry and Diane. I got so convicted. Um, anyways, actually, you guys, too. There's a lot of married couples that have uh, brought a lot of good conviction, right? 
You need people in your life that are going to steer you in the right direction. And this is a good community to be a part of. All right. So question number one for Matt and Sissy. What things do you see in each other that made you want to marry one another? What, are, what did you see in each other? Go ahead. Brag on your wife, bro. I was uh, getting too old, so I needed to make it a snapshot. <laughs> But really, um, no, <laughs> no, I was, I was actually, I was 32 when we started dating. Um, but I will say this, it's kind of backwards for me as far as usually with guys, you typically are attracted to someone first and then you start to get to know them, okay? That's how it's been for me all before cis and dating relationships, but her, like dating her or being interested in her came very different for me. And, um, and what that was, what that looked like is I was actually, I knew sis for a couple years before I was actually interested in her in that way. Uh, but I was actually drawn to her heart first. And truth, honest truth, like I was not attracted to her. I actually dated a couple more people before I started dating. Um, I, but I always really cherished who she was in the Lord and that actually was like more of a big deal to me than anything else. And I didn't pursue her because I didn't have this attraction that I thought you needed to have up front first, you know. And so for me, um, it, it came second. And I always really cherished and appreciated her heart for the Lord. And that really drew me to her, um, even as a friend. Like as friends, I wanted to be around her and hang out with her in groups, um, but I was very in particular about that, but, um, but really, that's what really drew me in, and as soon as, like, out of nowhere, like, the attraction came, it was like, I want to pursue this girl right now, and we need to go ahead and get married, like, <laughs> so, so it was, in a nutshell, that's basically how it happened. Um, so for me, I actually, I kind of referenced this, but I work, was working at a restaurant and one of my coworkers actually, um, really liked Matt. And so I actually heard a lot about him as a person before I ever laid eyes on him. Um, and I actually, during that time though, I heard, um, this person really, really esteemed who he was and, um, was just like this guy, you know. Da, 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 she liked him, okay, like, we're talking like she liked him, she thought, actually, that um, the Lord had told her that he was her husband, so we all have one of those stories. Y'all listen to this wisdom they're dropping right now. But anyway, so I knew, I actually knew a lot about Matt and his character before I ever met him, um, and then we did meet one another, and we weren't, you know, he really was great at keeping girls in a friend zone, you know, he was really great at that, and so uh, we were totally just friends for um, for several years. And um, but I would go in and out of having times like I, th I think I like Matt. I think I like him. I, I don't think he likes me though, because he's got another girlfriend. Okay, he does not like me. Okay, um, but anyways, um, when I when Brandon presented that question to me, I just really my I I just smiled because. Um, 
I was drawn to Matt and really his character and his steadiness, and he really felt like a very safe person to me because he was so steady and so faithful. And even um, I remember when I first moved or when I moved back to Florida in 2015, um, even I don't think I've ever told you this, Barry, but getting to know you guys, I like I saw like I saw like I feel like Matt is like who Matt is is going to like mature into like the maturity of how steady like Barry is like I just I don't know I remember saying that actually to like Josiah and Jen one day but because I look up to you so much and just the faithfulness and the steadiness and how safe and trustworthy he is was really what really drew me to him his character heart for the Lord so so sis can I tell a little inside baseball here yeah sure (laughs) so Matt worked for me for a little bit, two years. Um, that seems like a long bit working. Right? Uh, so, slave labor. Um, and so Matt would tell me, I'm ready to marry sis tomorrow. Like, I will marry you tomorrow, but she's like in and out and in and out. And so we actually, sissy came and talked to Diane and I a couple times, and she's telling us, I do, but I don't, but I do, but I don't. And I finally came to the place of after we talked to you, I don't know if you remember this, but like, I don't think I took your face in my hands, but I wanted to. (laughs) I wanted to say, look at me. I I told her, I said, you're never going to get a better guy than Matt. Amen. (laughs) It's true. It really is true. I didn't realize how I was connected with all yeah. of these people. I was about she to say, was my roommate. I, I, while I was lived with now. her during that time. <laughs> and when Barry's talking about it's like this at night, it was like this. <laughs> and you say like you didn't put your like hands in your face. I think I really wanted to several times and be like, you're never going to meet a guy like this. Like it's if true. you don't date him, there's a slight possibility I might. Like <laughs> <laughs> But I was really glad that it worked out. So, Amen. I, I wouldn't. There's girl code, but seriously. No, it's fine. She did with, with her friend. You stole him no, from her. Right no, 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 I'm not that friend. I wasn't that friend. He never I just lived with her. her. That's good. No, but it sounds like, you know, like for, for single, for the guy, you were looking for dependability and you were looking for somebody whose heart was after the Lord. That's really good. I don't think I was, I don't think I could have acknowledged I was looking for dependability, but there was a safety in who he was that was not, he was not fake or flaky or flippant, very safe and dependable. And they've referenced, we had a lot, I was very, um, had a lot of struggle through our dating relationship, and he remained so steady, and that even drew me to him even more. So sure. good. So. Yeah, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later, about yeah. how, st- so how Matt, steady. So a little inside baseball on you, Gigi. <laughs> um, I had conversations with Matt, and he's like, he's getting discouraged with the process of, was well, sissy in or out? Like, I, I can't keep doing this. I can't keep doing this. And then I remember the conversation we had that one day where you said, hey, I was seriously thinking about just going out and, and dating somebody else. I was thinking about, like, in my heart, I couldn't do it because I'm bound to sissy in my heart. That's a real thing. So he knew what he wanted. 
<laughs> and it just took a while to get her. But it's been worth the wait, right? Amen. That's good. All right, next question from Mallory. So what has been the best thing about being single, and what has been the hardest thing about being single? <laughs> Brandon, Brandon sent me these questions. I was like, whoa, those are, those are loaded questions. Um, I'll start with the hardest thing. If you would have asked me this question in my 20s, which I know a lot of people right here in the audience are in their 20s, you guys looking sharp. I know you're looking, looking out and a little worried if you're still single. But in the moment in my 20s, <clears throat> I felt like I was stuck or that everybody in my life was passing me by because they were getting married and having families and getting these incredible careers. And I felt like, okay, I'll be patient for my turn. I'll be patient for my turn. And um, now it's a completely different answer. Being in my 30s, the hardest thing is that, um, number one, it's really hard to date in 2022. <laughs> like, I miss college days because I probably would have been a little bit more relaxed at talking to a guy instead of being like, oh my gosh, he talked to me. I don't know if I can talk to him back. Like, um, but now, you know, dating apps and it's just really not organic and natural to meet somebody unless, you know, all of my friends are married with family, so they would have already tried to connect me with somebody if they knew of anybody um, or church is a natural setting. But the hardest thing right now is the longer I am independent at 34, I feel like there's this part of me that's more likely to be susceptible to be selfish and prideful um, and more steadfast in my independency. Like, I can go where I want. I can do what I want. I can buy what I want. Nobody depends on me. I can eat cereal for dinner if I'm tired. I don't want to cook a meal. Um, and so <clears throat> with that... <laughs> A great dinner. Um, with that, there's no one you have to have accountability with who lives in the same place as you. Um, and so I have to be now more aware of the fact that I, I need to get out if I'm feeling a little heavy um, and spend time with friends and um, lean in to other people and try to break this sense of independency or selfishness that can be very common as a single person. Um, because if I'm single up until 35 and miraculously I get engaged in like half a year and get married, um, which I wouldn't recommend, <laughs> all of a sudden that the 34 years of normalized independency now becomes dependent on somebody else. And so you have to break a lot of those like ties or habits because somebody else has infiltrated like the space that you, you are now in. And so for me, I pray a lot of like, God reveal selfishness or pride or independence that I need to prepare my heart for for somebody else when I meet them. So, and uh, the best thing. Best thing. Sorry, that was a really long answer. Best thing. I can buy what I want, do what I want, <laughs> go where I want. No. Keep the Jordans. Come on, girl. We're matchy matchy. <laughs> um, no, I thought about this too. <laughs> That's. That's partly real, like that is a real answer. Um, but with that comes time and the freedom of time. Um, God has blessed people who are single with time. Um, and so be intentional about the way you use that time, um, where you, what you do with that time. 
Um, for me, I can go at 9 o'clock at night to Brandon and Allison's and just bring food and wear sweatpants and watch basketball or football and, and talk with them. I don't have kids at home or a husband at home who I have to have a conversation with. Um, and so as a single person, especially in your 20s, do the things that that you feel a little scared about or you're unsure of. For example, like um, my mom didn't really know how to cook very well, and so I was very adamant about like, I'm gonna cook very good meals and I'm gonna learn how to cook. And I spent a lot of my 20s learning how to cook well and baking and um, seeing family in North Carolina and painting and creating a side business. And so you have to spend your time intentionally um, with what's given because eventually that time is going to be preoccupied with other things that are important that you won't have that ability to do those additional freedom-like things that we would want so to So good. Man, so good. So, yeah. All right, Barry, Diane. In marriage, what are some keys to keeping your love strong and your trust levels high? And then on the other half of that, what are some things that can diminish your love and trust in a marriage. You want to go first? <laughs> this is wisdom, y'all. I told you. They're walking it out. Light a candle. Literally, light a candle and respond to each other emotionally. And when they're having a hard time and physically, be there for each other. Um, and just, it's an encouragement. If I send Barry a text with a little candle lit, he's like, oh. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Wait, Sue, so do you guys light That's inside candles? baseball. <laughs> do y'all light? Do you do this? Absolutely. Can mm -hmm. you unpack that? I'm trying to gain wisdom over here. Can you, like, do you do, Honey, do this? Honey, you light the candle and you say. Are you talking about talking I mean, or, like, it's marriage? Okay. Yeah, is this figuratively speaking, like, light a candle in your heart or, like, light no, a literal candle? No, you light candle? a candle and say. I <laughs> let me give the interpretation. Okay, I think I get it now. I, I wasn't playing dumb, but I think I get it now. Okay, got it. Okay. 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 I had no idea you were gonna bring a candle. I was babe. thinking like on the See, kitchen after 40 table. Years, you still don't know. You know, let's talk heart to heart I feel here. The Holy Spirit Calm in down. Here. Okay. It's a little okay. hot. I got it. So the idea is. <laughs> The fire's still burning. Can't wait to see you tonight. Oh, okay. Got it. Okay. Hallelujah. <laughs> and that keeps your love strong. Amen. I remember at Tori and Alex's wedding, um, one of his um, aunts stood up and said, remember Grandma Rasmussen said that that intimacy in marriage is the glue to marriage. She's like, that's the glue. Like, you need lots of glue. <laughs> but it, it truly does strengthen your marriage. It strengthens yeah. your bond. And for 
Barry and I have talked about this a lot. Of course, we do premarital counseling. So um, it has been something that I really have felt like the Lord has really given me strong encouragement to encourage him in that way. And he's told me, hon, like when you are responsive to me, he's like, I feel like I can slay a dragon. Who does not want to be married to that knight in shining armor slaying dragons? Like, that's what I want. And the more I love him in that way, the, he's encouraged. If he's, if he's having a hard time, if he's in discouragement, I remember Carolyn um, Mahaney saying that that was the number one number one tool in her toolbox she pulled that out when he was discouraged when he was having a hard time he's going through a spiritual battle do you know the lord can minister to a soul in that way he can minister to our husband's soul in that way it's beautiful it's from the lord the marriage bed is undefiled and it's beautiful wow We, I didn't know that was coming out, but that's, that's good. We talk about it in premarital counseling, for sure. So I would say keeping love strong, the simple word gratitude is huge. This is what I found in doing marital counseling quite a bit, premarital, and just counseling in general. Unhappy people are almost always ungrateful people. Mm. And unhappy people in marriages are almost always ungrateful people in marriages. So they'll come to me with a list of 25 things. I've literally had um, individuals come to me and had three written out pages of all the grievances that they had over their spouse. And they, here, fix it. I'm like, no, there's, a, there's an issue in here that's got to be fixed first. So here's the thing. We're all married to flawed people. We're all married to people that are jacked up in some level. And to expect perfection, see, our culture poisons us for being grateful. Because there's a comparison. There's the greatest, the most attractive, the everything on YouTube that you can see 24-7. And so you see the best of the 10 other people that you think should all be in your spouse. And it's just delusional. And so instead of being grateful to the Lord for how he's blessed us with our spouse and counting your blessings and saying all the things that are so wonderful about your spouse, we look for the black dots on the page. And so I do this in premarital. If any, any of you have been through premarital, you guys have, you guys have. I have a piece of paper. I hold it up. It's got 10 or so black dots. And I go, what's this? They go, it's black dots. I go, why isn't it a white page? What percentage of that is, is black dot? Less than 1%. But why do we fixate on the black dots? Because that's what fallen humanity does, and it makes us ungrateful. So we see all the flaws, and that's what we fixate on. And pretty soon you get a three-page list of all the black dots of your spouse, and you go, this is why I can't be happy. No, the reason you can't be happy is because you're ungrateful. And you don't see that you got 99% of white page. And instead of going, I've got a white page spouse. It's, look at all that white. That's amazing. We go, look at those black dots. I hate those black dots. I want somebody that doesn't have that black dot over here. It makes us ungrateful. And ungrateful people in marriage are unhappy people in marriage. And you can't fix that 
by fixing that one problem. You know why? Because there's 25 other black dots that they're going to migrate to. The issue is a grateful heart is hugely important in staying and living happy in marriage. Seasons in marriage shift and change. But one thing that can never change is that you're grateful to the Lord for how he's blessed you. And, and really, this is huge to be able to just verbalize to your spouse. You know what I appreciate about you? Let me give you these 10 things. Or I think that's so beautiful. Or that's so amazing the way you do it. Thank you so much. There was a study done at University of Georgia within the last 10 years. And they had almost 1,000 couples. So it was a lot of married couples that were deemed by their peers to have a good marriage, okay? So this was the thing. And they asked them, what is it that you guys have or what are the values that you carry that have made your relationship strong? And this is an amazing statistic. The number one answer that they gave was, we say thank you to each other consistently. So for me... Busting my tail in the landscape business for 34 years, working long hours, unpredictable hours. Um, she would ask me, what time are you going to be home, baby? I go, I don't know. It might be 6 o'clock. It might be 8 o'clock. I don't know. It just depends what breaks or what happens. You know what I mean? If you've got your own business, you know how that is. But instead of fixating on that, Diane would consistently, and she trained our kids to do this too, because they pick up what mama says in the home. And... She would say, baby, thank you for working so hard for us. Instead of saying, how come you can't be home and have a nine-to-five job? Why do you always have to be late? She would say, thank you so much for sacrificing and working so hard for us. And you know what? My kids would say that. And my kids still say that. Grown. Thank you, Dad, for working so hard for us to take care of us and provide for us. That's a game changer. You could be the black dot person that is all upset because... Bob over here works nine to five and he's home every night for dinner. Or you can shift the narrative and be grateful and go, thank you for working so hard for us. See, it's a game changer. And happy people in marriages are grateful people. Without exception, I've never seen ungrateful people actually have a happy marriage. So it's just a huge, huge value. We're supposed to live grateful. And in your marriage with the Lord, obviously, we, we live grateful, but in your marriage, it is a complete game changer, and that is the atmosphere that we should all breathe in our marriages, that we are for each other, we're grateful for each other, and we stare at the white page and not at the black dot. Wow. Wow. And if I could, I just would like to just add on to it a little bit. That was really good, honey. Um, Sometimes, you know, there's just, it, it's a character issue, or there's, it could be whatever, you know, that black dot. But the enemy wants to come in and make you stare at that black dot, and he wants to make it huge. He wants to blow it way out of proportion. Just realize that your, your enemy is not your husband or your wife. That's not your enemy. It's not anyone in your household. It's not your kids. Um, there was a time when... I think I left the windows open, and we were renting an apartment, and we went to church that night, and we came back, and our carpets were soaked, the windows, uh, the, the curtains were totally ruined, 
And we were like, oh, my goodness, like, this isn't even our home. And look what we've done to this property that belongs to somebody else. And we were both really upset. And we could feel the evil start to come into the room, wanting us both to get mad at each other and start accusing each other. And it was almost like if you could peel back the curtain, you could see these little minions running around, you know, go ahead and yell at him. Give it to him. Tell him. You know it's her fault. You give it to her. You, you put her down right now. You let her know that that was, that was a really bad mistake or whatever. Go, go ahead and give him a punch. Give him a punch. And um, you could almost see that in the spirit world. It was just, it felt so strong and it felt so evil. And we both recognized it. And we looked at each other and I'm like, I'm like, wow, do you feel that? And he said, yeah, do you? And I'm like, yeah. And so he took authority and rebuked that devil. And we were fine. There was not an argument. But just realize, like, sometimes it's the enemy. Cast those thoughts down that are rising up against the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Don't allow it. Don't let it even come out of your mouth. Rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Let the peace of God rule and reign in your heart and mind and in your home. So good. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be honest. Actually, I wanted to just see. Raise your hand if Barry and Diane married you or is giving you marriage counsel. Look at that. Just flip it around the room. It's pretty crazy. They, uh, yeah, for sure. There's definitely a few missing, but um, I think that that analogy with the black dot white paper, I mean, we still, Sonia and I, revisit that all the time and how easy it is to focus more on the, the hard stuff instead. I mean, like yesterday, we were on the way to eat some food, and she just asked me this question, like, tell me, like, about what you love about me and stuff. And, and that was, like, this invitation. It was, like, I took it, and I was like, no, we, she wants to establish a connection here where we encourage one another. And we had such a, 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 a really good time to connect. But, um, yeah, I love that because it's such a, a reflection of our relationship with the Lord and how we can, you know, see so many, you know, uh, I think Josiah touched on it, the sufferings that we go through in life. And if you've been, if you're married and, and you're in relationship, how those things can color your perspective of one another and your perspective with God. And so it's beautiful to see you guys coming together and going like, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to, we're going to come together and be solid under Christ. So it's beautiful. All right. Question number two for Matt and Sissy. So if anybody, any of you guys know Matt and Sissy, you guys have experienced a, a few losses here, um, two babies specifically. Invite us in. Tell us, um, tell us what that was like um, and what was the impact of that on your marriage? Yeah, so um, in December of 2020, we, um, we lost our son. He was 20 weeks or 21 weeks um, in the womb, um, and I had to give birth to him, and um, that was a very, very, um, to say the least, a devastating um, thing to go through. Um, and then we, we walked through that. We walked through healing, um, you know, felt like we were ready to... Um, go at it again, and we got pregnant again, and we lost um, our second son in October of 2021, so about 10 months later, we lost um, another baby, and he was 18 weeks, um, and so I guess, um, I mean, for 
for starters, how has that impacted our marriage? Um, I know Dave and Julie met with us, um, like, after we lost George, our first son. And, um, you know, they talked to us about grieving through the loss of a child and how we grieve differently. And as male and female, yeah, Yeah. as male and female. And um, I don't know. I mean, I can honestly give the glory to the Lord that, like, and through both of these very tragic losses, I feel like that it has strengthened our relationship and that it has not divided us. Um, I feel like that, you know, as a woman, I experienced the grief more and differently because I was carrying the babies with me. But, I mean, Matt feels it as well. And um, I don't know. I feel like that it's strengthened us and... Um, I mean, I think that we're still living out that story of how it has impacted our family and how it will impact us in the future. I don't know. Yeah, I would say um, from the guy's perspective on something like that, I think that it's vital that, you know, you are the the head of the household. um, And I think it really was really vital where you set your gaze in a situation like that, um, because it is easy to quickly go one way or the other, meaning look at Jesus and let him heal our hearts, or look away and run away of, run away from the one that could actually heal us and help us, right? Um, and so for us, it was, praise God, that I was very quick to run to the Lord. And and in the running towards the Lord, it was immediate on feeling his nearness. And when you feel his nearness in a situation like that from the get-go, like you can be sustained. And you get to see right away that he's with you, not away from you, right? Um, and I think if we were quick to be mad at God and run away, you don't get to see as quickly how much he actually is right there, you know, and that he feels you and that he knows that full well, right? And so for us, it was with George, like I immediately felt the nearness of God in the midst of grieving and in the midst of it was painful and there was a lot of weeping and it doesn't mean that it didn't hurt, you know, But when you feel the Lord right there, it put a lot of things in perspective as to what the Lord has gone through for us, too. But that we are not, we don't, like, God doesn't owe us anything. And even our two other kids, a a beautiful baby and Maddie, for sure, and even our two other kids were amazing. Like, my first response when George was born was I held him and was just like, he's so beautiful, you know, and I think like just the immediate response, not just like with with a baby, but like the immediate response of obedience in looking at the Lord and letting him heal your heart right away. It is a lot faster, but you don't grow mad at, at God, I guess. And you actually you feel his nearness right away. And you'll press into that more. And so we made it our choice to continue to do that. And we surrounded ourselves with people, too, along the way to help hold our head up. 
you know, and I think that was really important too for us was that we were very vocal from the get-go, and that really helped us because if we kept it to ourselves and hid it in, it was a lot harder, so. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, I, <clears throat> I remember when those situations were happening and you guys were getting the business going. I mean, like, I can only imagine what it's like when everything is moving around you and suddenly your world stops and you have to stop. I think, um, I don't know if, if there's some other stuff that you guys can share on that, but like, like process, I, th I think you guys process things really well. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I don't know, maybe if, if there's anything else you can share on that as far as like not ignoring, you didn't ignore that this is happening. The same thing with you guys. Acknowledging it's there, but turning your focus. Like what, I mean, is there anything else in that? that I, so you said about being close, close with friends. Um, yeah, I mean, I think like through the process for us, it really did grow our marriage closer together, but it was because we communicated about it. Mm, so we, good communication. And we're still definitely doing that. Um, it's not an overnight thing, but we are choosing to communicate with each other, which in return actually grew us closer together in unity for sure. Yeah, I think um, Josiah shared this with us after we, so we, our second son was Benjamin that we lost, and um, they came over, and one of the things that he said was that God, um, God chooses in his wisdom to allow what he could easily prevent in his power. And, um, you know, as Matt and I were discussing this question, I feel like I feel like I could talk forever and ever and ever about what, but we've seen the Lord do through these tragedies. But, um, you know, part the other day we were discussing this question together, and I feel like, you know, that in the Lord's wisdom that he knew that this was going to be good for our family and good for our relationship, that there was going to be something of eternal value that was going to come through it that was good. And I am living that. I am seeing that. Um, and so. Well, that's the beauty of scripture, right? Is being the Christian is that, you know, when you're, when you're in the world and you experience loss, it's just loss. But I mean, right, the scripture says he works all things together for our good. That's crazy. It makes me think about like the assignments that come after us from the, the enemy and they have a job description to tear us down. And God's like, no, I'm going to change the job description. It's actually going to build them up. It's going to encourage them. It's going to equip them so that other people can take hold of that wisdom. Yeah, just real quick, I'd go along with that. Like with our second one, Benjamin, that we lost, we we're actually, both of us were actually drawn to Job which is like the last place you want to be drawn to and in, in the place of suffering because he's the trump card, right? Um, but, but really, like, the Lord really showed me uh, in Job's response at the end, he said after his suffering is he said that I have heard of you with my ears, but now I have seen you with my eyes. And so, like, after all of his suffering, he got to really truly see the Lord and a lot of that was because, I think, because his gaze was fixed upon Jesus through every single hardship and turmoil that he went through. And I, the Lord really rocked me for that be, with that because when we set our eyes on the Lord right away from a situation like that, like, we can, 
until we experience like hardships, a lot of times, like, I mean, you're exercising your faith all the time, right? And so you're, you're hearing of the Lord. It's hearing, 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 hearing. And someone like Job, you're like, man, like, wow. And then he says, but now I've seen you. And so like in hardship and in hard times, like something like this, you can see the Lord a lot more for sure. All right, Mallory, I want to kind of try to combine because you, you touched on a lot of this, but, um, you know, when, when those feelings of comparison and tension, disappointment, all of those things come at you and, and try to tear you down, uh, when you're discontent in your singleness, what, what do you do? <laughs> a lot of crying. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I, I love that Sissy and Matt brought this up. Um, the feeling of uh, being alone is such a reality because you are a single person. We are never alone, but it's hard to avoid that feeling when you're in your apartment or you see other people doing amazing romantic things and you're like, oh. um, <laughs> it, it's there. It's real. The feelings are going to be there. And so I have had heavy times where I have been very upset with God and said, this is not what I thought it was going to be at 34. This is not the plan that I had in mind. This is not the agreement I made with you. Um, this is not what it's supposed to be. Um, but I think that's when you get set back a little bit, when you fix your eyes on him and you really spend time with God, that the reality is, is his time is his time and it is the best time. Um, and so it's okay to feel those emotions and to sit in that because that's healthy it's a form of grief, I feel like, and this isn't probably going to be the most popular answer, but I don't think that as a single person, if your heart is truly to have a family, you're ever going to be fully content in your singleness. Um, so I have a balance. I'm always kind of like back and forth. So it's an ever working progress of I know who God has created me to be. And that sounds like an easier answer than how I walk it out. Um but regardless, I know that in the time I have while I'm single, I pour into friends when they're going through tragedy. I, I celebrate with family and friends when they have major life um, events take place. And I use my time intentionally um, to worship God and honor God. But in those moments where you're getting wrecked and rocked, you surround yourself with people who are accountable. So let me be honest and transparent with you guys. Uh, I might give some very sound, wise advice, but I've not dated a lot. I've not been in a lot of relationships. So some people kind of, especially when you're single, you think I have to constantly ask people's advice and everybody's advice in order for me to make a decision. Um, and I would say, I think you need to surround yourself with people who are in holy marriages um, my people are Matt and Sissy and Allison and Brandon. Um, I love you guys, but I, I feel like I haven't really <laughs> talked to you guys much. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, you're honest about this is how I'm feeling. This is the situation. This is the date that unfolded. He said this. He did this. What do I do? And you stay in communication and be transparent um, because if you try to to be content in your singleness by yourself, 
you're going to do it out of your own strength and you're going to fail and you're going to hit rock bottom. And, you know, I've been times where I'm like, am I, is this what depression is? Like, is this real? Like what's going on? I'm a very extroverted person. So when you feel the heaviness of it, you surround yourself by people who can um, give you wisdom and advice and pull you out of that. And ultimately you always go back to God first and foremost, and you be real with him and he will show you that being single does not mean you're alone. Being single does not mean it's, it's going to be like that forever because I've had people who say, um, I want to meet my mate, like I want to meet my husband and it happened like next week. (laughs) And then I have had friends or myself who've been in prayer about it and, you know, have spent a lot of time praying into it and it still hasn't happened. So it's very different for everybody. But if you don't have accountability and you don't have people who help you with the rawness and realness of it, your discontentment will control you and overpower you, and you're not going to be fully satisfied. And like what Barry said, if you are not a grateful person in your singleness, and you don't know how to be happy spending time alone in your singleness, you will not have a happy, grateful marriage. And I've not, I've not been married, but I can very speak openly about the fact that like, if you can't, if you don't spend the freedom and time that you have now working on who you are as a person, it's going to be, I believe, so much harder when somebody else is taking up space with you because now you're wrestling with the stuff that you could have ultimately kind of navigated prior to um, because you didn't spend that time intentionally. So hopefully that answers. No, that's so good. Um, I feel like I see a theme through all of the, the things that you guys are sharing about these lessons and rising to the occasion, they don't just happen by you just kind of sitting there and I wish. You, you, there's a, there's an intentionality though, right? Like you do have to seek out friends and say, hey, yeah. uh, I'm not doing so well, even if you don't. Especially when, and, and let me be honest too, the people who are in this room, um, dating is, is hard. And so if you want to use a dating app, use a dating app. If you don't want to use a dating app because you think it's weird, don't use a dating app. You just have to be patient. Um, if you want to go on a date with a guy and it flops, it flops. Be you know, But I think that every interaction that you have, you have to view it with, I'm meeting another human being in their brokenness and whatever baggage they carry, but it's an opportunity to get to know that person and their humanity, which is one more person that God can connect me to. Um, and so sometimes we as Christians, especially Christian women, I can't speak on behalf of you guys, sorry. Um, but I feel like we make it more awkward than what we should. Um, and that's a whole nother tangent. If you want to get coffee, we'll talk about it. Um, but I really feel like the way you're content with yourself and being in single is how to bring your truest self to meet another person who is trying to do the same. And that, that's how you connect with them. And if you put too much burden on themselves or others, like I'm, I don't, I, I'm surrounded by like amazing men of God, like Brandon and Matt and, and Barry. And I look at all them like, I hope my husband is on fire like they are. Um, and I can pray for that. But I also know that there's pressure when you sit across the table from a complete stranger. I'm not thinking in my head, like, you better meet these boxes because... I deserve it. Like, I'm a woman of God, and I, I, I deserve the best because I waited 34 years for this. 
there's a lot of pressure. So I feel like part of being content is just getting to know that person and their humanity and allowing God to work through that, through every conversation or interaction you have. And from there, it'll work out. So or good. not, but it's okay. Yeah. I love the vulnerability, Mal. Like, thank you so much for sharing that. It's good. I wish I would have heard that even when I was younger, just to be, honestly, to be, just be a better student. Yeah, I, I went through a lot of awkward moments because I didn't feel like I had somebody like that to help me navigate. So in college, I was, I was, a lot of you girls in here, I'm like, you look so cool. Like, if, if you would have met me at Southeastern during my time, we were the same age, it would have been whew, rough. Like, so I am grateful for really, I've had really hard times and really hard situations that I've had to walk through to find out who God has made me to be and to, to walk through that. So, so yeah. All right. Um, I want to skip a question. Let's go down here. So invite us in, describe what it's like, your, your spiritual life, being a couple. You guys, I don't know. Uh, what, what, what kind of secrets or treasures or gold that you have for us as far as just encouraging? Because I know for, for, I guess for the normal human being, because um, <laughs> I just have such high respect for you guys, but um, <laughs> you guys are like upper echelons weird. marriage. No, I'm just kidding. No, but, um, you know, with, with, with your spiritual life, I think it's really easy for us to go, to try and be the Holy Spirit for our spouse, like, all right, you should really spend some time with the Lord, or you should do this, or you and you already have, you know, gotten into the black dot white page thing, but how, I mean, describe how that is, and any kind of advice you have for us um, to keep our life. We have going. devotions every morning at 6.30. Wow. Don't. Come on. Uh, <laughs> we don't. I was like, oh. I was like, whoa, that is, I'm failing already. <laughs> I was like, black dot there. Right. <laughs> I better get on this. <laughs> no, so we've never really had, maybe this will be freeing for some of you, we've never really had a regimented where we do husband and wife devotions at a certain time or like we, I've never, we, I didn't do that with my kids, to be honest with you, because I didn't want them to learn a religious Jesus. If that's okay to say, that doesn't mean we don't spend time with the Lord. We what we tried to do, and you've heard me do the atmosphere talk of create an atmosphere in our home where the Holy Spirit's pleased to dwell, but to actually have a Christ-centered home, and and we're really intentional about connecting hearts every day. We typically take a walk around the block for a few miles, and we just talk and um, decompress, and we share deep things of our heart. So I think what, well, one thing that we've done that's been really helpful is that we have developed a pattern from early on to really share the deep and vulnerable things in our heart and soul with each other and then take those to the Lord. I mean, if, if we're hurting, if we're broken, whatever that, that is, just to, but it's more organic rather than a scheduled time. You, you know what I'm saying? I'm just not that guy. I don't like that. I didn't like that with my kids because I knew so many people growing up where they hated the Bible and they hated the Lord because they had to go in there and this was their regimen that they had to do this thing. And I'm like, no, that's, I want there to be a drawing and I wanted, you know, raising your kids, but this, this speaks to the atmosphere for them to want to love Jesus because they're drawn to him and he's real to them. Um, so, rather than forcing it and try to shove it down the throat. So we, we just haven't done that from, from a, a marriage perspective, but we do, we are intentional about connecting 
and about connecting on a heart level every day. And um, we pray together a lot, but it's, it's organic and it flows out of something that's real that's happening. And not to say that if the Lord's giving you conviction that, you know, you guys need to do that in the morning, like, that's fine. Right. We're just saying, like, that's not how we did it. And, but, and Barry, like, with his schedule and everything, like, we didn't do family devotions, like, all together. But we always sang and prayed together every night uh, with the kids. And then in the morning, because we homeschooled most mornings, we did have a little devotion you know, I just shared out of, I would spend, get up a little early if I could and spend a little time with the Lord and whatever was bubbling up, you know, sharing something fresh, not like, okay, we have to do this. We have to, it's not checking the box off because Jesus is all about relationship. And so it's not about a bunch of rules and, you know, keeping your little schedule to be a good Christian. Like, that's just not what it is. It really is a true relationship with him. And, um, you know, and when you are taking that time individually with the Lord, like, you have something to share. You have something to say. You Like, oh, you know, the Lord ministered this to me. Or, and it's not every day. Every day we don't share spiritual things. And every day we don't do all this perfectly, just so you know. Like, we don't. Oh my God. Mind Just blown. let it go, let it go. <laughs> no pressure, honestly. Like, we don't do it perfectly. There are times when we don't connect on, you know, some days. And some things happen, and it's a long time since we've connected. And I have the enemy starting, the accuser starting to whisper in my ear, you know, oh, well, he doesn't really love you. Or, like, you know, we've had those things. We've, hey. We walk through life just like you. We put our pants on one leg at a time. And it life is hard. Life is just hard. But in going to the Lord individually, like you have something, you have life in you. God does mean us to thrive and not just survive. He does want that for us. I just want to read this scripture real quick because it you'll see like it so beautifully ties in with what everybody has shared. And it's Psalm 84. And um, in the whole psalm, I think I noticed, like, it uses the word happy, like, three times. I didn't write the whole psalm down, but. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs and faints for your courts. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. The sparrow has found a house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young, even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. So the whole theme and those couple verses, just being near God, being in his presence, being in his temple, that's a safe place. If a bird makes a nest there, it's a safe place. Being in the presence of the Lord is a safe place for you, and it makes you a safe person if you dwell there. How happy are those who live in your temple and praise you continually. And in the Net Bible, the word happy, it says happiness that God-given security and prosperity produce. And you know we're not name-it-claim-it, prosperity-preaching church. You know that. But he does want us to thrive. He does want us to thrive. How happy are those who find their strength in you? Our strength is never in our circumstances, and it's not in our perfect life. You could have lost a baby like sis. 
or walk down a difficult road and your life does not look like what you thought it would like Mallory's. Our lives have not looked, I'll tell you, our lives do not look like we, what we thought they would. They don't. We've had a lot of hardship, walked through a lot of difficult things, but the Lord is our strength. How happy are those who find their strength in you and long to travel the roads that lead to your temple. As they pass through the Valley of Baca, which is the Valley of Weeping, all of us, all of us, on a journey into God's presence, go through hard times. We're all going to pass through the valley of weeping. How ha- um, as they pass through the valley of weeping, he provides spring for them. The valley of weeping or valley of affliction. Difficult times. But he sends the rain, and he even covers the little spring with fresh, clean water. He meets us there. And they will go from strength to strength. And the last verse is, how happy are those who put their trust in you. There is so much joy in the Lord, in him. And he's the one who brings the wholeness in our life for our marriages, for Everyone that we come in contact with, for our families, it's not about our life being perfect and trying to avoid, what do I need to do to not have a hard life? It's not going to happen. It's going to come to all of us. We just need to know where to go. Even in the valley of weeping, if we are there with him and we look to him, we're going to go from strength to strength. Yeah, amen. All right, well, ran out of time. Um, I'll ask Barry, you bless us, the singles, the young parents. Father, thank you for your great heart, for your people. I thank you for every man and woman here in this room and on the live stream. Lord, I pray that they would sense your great heart for them, that you are for them, and that you are always about revealing yourself in beautiful and powerful ways that draw us to you and glorify your name and that bring us to what you created us for. And so I pray for that sense of blessing. I pray for every marriage in here, Lord. I just have a jealousy in my heart that you would bless the marriages here, that you would guard them and that you would um, enrich them with yourself and that you would untangle the tangled messes that can be there. And for every single person who desires to get married, Lord, would you cause them to be content in you first? Would you cause them to love you with a pure heart without conditions and to lay their whole life in your hands and see how beautifully you will lead them and how faithful you are? So, Lord, let your faithfulness be like a banner over every person in this body listening on live stream. Let your faithfulness be made more and more real, more and more apparent, and your presence be real, abiding uh, reality with each one every day. And we thank you for all that you're doing. We commit ourselves to you again to walk in your ways and to honor you with our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give it up for this panel? Thank you guys so much for sharing.